but I am finally live. Here we go. Getting everything going. Welcome to Joe's Disc Golf Podcast with me, your host, Joe, so creatively named here, and brought to you by Insert Sponsor. I'd like to thank Insert Sponsor for providing the services or goods for this podcast. Thank you all for helping with that. Isn't that great? Go check out Insert Sponsor. Hello, Bruce. How are you? Glad to see that you're up. That is, uh, what, 8 a.m.? That's not too bad, correct? I hope my timing is right on there. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is actually nice to have someone. I don't know how to act. I have someone actually watching live. This is, ooh, seven. Oh, you guys are in mountain time. I'm just a bit off here. It is 9 a.m. here in the eastern, the very edge of the eastern time zone. Central time is by far the best. That may or may not just be because I grew up there, and that's just how it goes. I don't know how to act. I actually have someone watching. This is actually exciting. That's, yay, go me. Uh, exciting stuff over the weekend with the, wow, I almost, I almost called it the Las Vegas challenge. Boy, I am a couple weeks off there with the, um, wow, mind just went whoop, gone. Anyway, you, <laughs> great, great weekend this weekend with Waco. Wow, that was way too hard for me to remember, and I don't know why. I watched all of Waco, and for whatever reason, someone had brought this up um, on one of the comments with uh, my recap for round two. Round two was rough to watch, and I don't know why. I love watching disc golf. I love watching the Joe Mess stuff. This year, I started watching the live uh, Disc Golf Network stuff, which is, you know, I get it. They're, I'm not expecting you know, PGA Masters, where, all right, we're starting on hole, we're watching our lead card here, we're watching Tiger tee off, okay, everybody hit it, and now we're going to go over to hole 17, where uh, Phil Mickelson did that thing, okay, now we're going to bounce over to hole three, okay, now we're back to hole one, where Tiger is now lining up his second shot, I get it, like, Disc Golf Network, not there yet, yet being the key word, but it was, it was a slog, I don't know what was going on there, but it, you know what? It happens. Um, sometimes some rounds are more interesting than others. I get it. It's it's just the way it goes. But um, very exciting there watching Nico LaCastro uh, just dominate the first eight holes, seven holes, seven birdies. He went seven for seven, just beating out Eula Berry, who went six for six to start the tournament. He ends up winning it, but... Um, it it was rough. Hole eight was okay. Holes like nine through 15 were just not good. He did not look like himself. He, I don't know if he realized like he was doing well. It was one of those, like you're doing well, you're doing well. And then you realize you're doing well. I know I have that problem sometimes where it's like, all right, you know, that was good. That was good. All of a sudden it's like, Hey, did you realize you're uh, shooting the hot round? And like, thanks. Now I'm not. Thank you. I always hate when people tell me like, I, if, if I have to do the scorecard, for my for my card I'll do it I will do it I prefer not to I love not knowing where I'm at I I perform so much better if I don't know where I'm at and maybe that's just from playing you know football and ultimate frisbee and baseball where it's like if I don't think about how we're doing because there's enough other things going on I play really well you know clear mind fast feet kind of thing 
So if somebody starts telling me about scores and things, like I'd rather not know. Um, and maybe that's what happened with Nico. I know at one point towards uh, holes 14, 13, 14, somewhere in there, he looked at a score, drained that big putt on 17. That was insane. He did, he did get a little help from the wind. I'm not going to say that that didn't happen because you could see it just towards the end there. It just went whoop right into the basket. But uh, it is what happens. Um, it's disc golf. I mean, that can happen. Uh, how many times have we all had where you're going, you're tracking perfect for the chains, and then the wind just beats it down or shoots you right over? And, you know, plenty of times where I've had it the opposite way where I'm tracking over the basket or under the basket and the wind gives me a little assist. It just happened to really help Nico out on that hundred and I think it was, no, it was like 80 foot, 80 foot putt. I mean, it was great. And I just love his step putt. That little step putt that he does, it is so smooth and so great. Nothing against the other guys like Kevin Jones jump putt. That's I've tried it and I am horribly inaccurate with that. I just started messing around with the Nico style step putt and I was hitting the cage, so I'm nowhere near as accurate or as good with that as him, but that just felt more natural for me. Like jump putt, it is, it is your guess is as good as mine on where that putter is going to add up. And it, I will give you a hint. It's not going to be in the basket. It is going to be over the basket to the left, to the right, under the basket. Take it back. Now y'all two hops this time. That's probably not legal, but it is what it is. Um, unfortunately, yeah, that I tried the jump putting, got away from it because I couldn't quite do it. And looking at Nico's step putt, I I find some success, and I'm you know maybe maybe sort of kind of going to uh, going to start practicing that. It's a little late now. I do have a tournament coming up this Sunday, the uh, Tillman Tune Up. This is the prep slash fundraiser for uh, the Three Rivers Open which if you've not signed up, you're kind of SOL on that one. There are still 11 spots open, but those are for M40 plus, so M40, M50, all those, and um, uh, FA side. So any of the female side still open. There's 11 spots to divide up between the two. There's, yeah, so once it's full, it's full. But if you're looking to play M1, M2, M3, yeah, full sorry it that tournament uh, opened up registration opened up about this time yesterday and by i want to say i signed up around 11 and of the 144 open spots there was 100 spots uh filled by the time i finished registration there was 105 spots filled and by 4 p.m local you know eastern time basically if you weren't uh if you're planning to play m123 you're your SOL. That just goes to show that if there is a tournament you really want to play, I highly recommend going on disc golf scene, seeing exactly when that tournament opens because they're selling out fast. And Three Rivers Open, I mean, a couple of years ago was the first time I ever played it out here in Fort Wayne. Great tournament has gotten even better since then. But I walked up uh, Friday. I happened to be walking by disc, uh, the disc golf park at uh sweeney west and so i was like oh hey what's going on ended up dropping into uh doubles you know just casual random start doubles there played that and they're like hey you know you want to play uh want to play tro tomorrow i'm like sure why not i've never played a disc golf tournament 
I've played a lot of disc golf before, but I'd never played in a tournament. So I'm going, ah, sure, why not? This is a course I play all the time. Totally crapped the bet on that one. Took an eight on a hole that I usually get uh, birdie, which is, uh, on that hole, it's a par four. It's a peninsula hole. But um, yeah, walked up day before, and they still had plenty of spots. Now, if you're not signing up, uh, the tournament isn't until August like 24th, 5th, whatever that last Saturday, Sunday is in, um, in August. Now it's already full. You can also hop on um, and play MPO, which is the, that's an A tier the weekend after. I don't know when that registration opens. I am not part of that. But the nice thing is about the AM side, the top MPO and FPO, or sorry, top AM one, top a, uh, uh, MA one, top FA one scores get free entry into the next weekend, the pro side. So I'm going to try for that. It's going to be difficult. I'm going to have to play very, very well, but I think I can do that. I think that's enough about that. Let's get into our topics here. We got the Texas State Disc Golf Championship. Going into phase one, I was a little bit surprised here that, um, well, Waco had to make their decisions and their calls on what phase they were in before Texas announced that they're going to completely open. Now, Texas is completely open. Uh, I'm a little surprised they're doing phase one, not just letting everybody go. But at the same time, I can understand that uh, PDGA is doing a little CYA. You know, you don't want to... <laughs> You don't want to, you know, open yourself up for litigation. I don't know how that all works because they're a national company. It's not like, oh, well, local disc golf club is running basically just a local tournament in Texas. This is a big national tour. So I don't know how that all works out. Plus, you do have to worry about local like local regulations. So Tyler, Texas, what they're saying. And then the county of Tyler. Uh, I forget what county Tyler's in. I should know this. I used to live there. There was some good disc golf. University of Texas at Tyler had used to have a really, really, really cool looking. I I loved playing that course when I was there for grad school. Uh, unfortunately, um, the field where I played ultimate frisbee is now the new science center. I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. There is a massive parking structure where the fairway for one of the holes was because uh, front nine. At least the way I played it, where I parked, I can't remember. The front nine that I would always play was wide open, longer bomber shots, kind of like Waco. Back nine, tighter tunnel shots in the woods. Not nearly as, as hardcore as Tyler, but it's still a lot of fun. Still a ton of fun. Really helped me out when I was um, still fairly new into disc golf. Got me, uh, got me going. I really loved it. I thought, I thought it was a bunch of fun to play that course. May or may not have um, taken a two-quart camel pack with a friend of mine and filled it with some rum and coke, and that went well. That went really well. Fortunately, I had friends that lived across the street in student housing. I didn't live there. But, um, yeah, so we were able to walk across the street and um, have some fun with disc golf, living up the stereotype of finishing a six-pack during a round each-ish. But, you know, we weren't, uh, we weren't smoking the dope. We weren't on the ganja. So, what does it mean to be in phase one? Well, the event site is established. 
it, in this case, Wednesday, March 24th at 8 a.m. So at that point, park is closed, course is closed. No one else is on there. And it stays closed until one hour after the final round is finished on Sunday the 28th. You must social distance. You got to wear a mask. If you are uh, not able to social distance and indoors, that kind of fun stuff. Um, unfortunately, that's that's kind of what happens. There's no caddies. Um, you get one travel slash support person, but they cannot be within 50 feet of the green or the T. Um, uh, but the way I read that was pretty much just how I said it. So do they get to hang out next to you when you're walking down the fairway? I don't I don't know how that's all that different other than they're trying to not get people to congregate right around the T in general. Like a lot of times, unless you're playing wide open, the, uh, the tees, like there's not a lot of space for a lot of extra people. Like there's a couple courses around here where if you're playing just a regular foursome, it's tight. Forget trying to squeeze a caddy in there. So I, I don't mind the 50 feet away. Maybe if it was like 25 feet, I get, it's probably four regulations in there. Like they're trying, they're again doing some CYA. And uh, no spectators. So again, we're going with no spectators with this. So I wish I, I wish there were some spectators. I'm sure the pros kind of like it. I know here in Indiana, I work I work as an athletic trainer. I, I do sports medicine. I will say it was weird covering high school basketball with no spectators for about half the season. And then they allowed spectators in and things were good. I will. I'm pretty sure the referees loved not having any spectators. Because they didn't have to deal with all the random crap that people would shout at them. Because, uh, you know, parents are nuts a lot of times. And they take high school basketball and just high school sports in general. They generally take them way too serious. But, say la vie, I guess. Um, so, no spectators there. Hopefully, as we get into some of these warmer... Like, I don't expect California to have any spectators at all. But I'm hoping some of these other courses that, um, that we're going to later in the year will have some spectators. No word on, um, oh, yeah, no word on the California or anything else. They, um, at four weeks out, just as a kind of a reminder here, in case you guys have missed it, at four weeks out, uh, PDGA checks in with the local tournament just to see, will regulations allow the tournament to go on? That's pretty much how that goes. At two weeks, they make the call of, are we phase one? Are we phase two? What, what? are the limits and what's going on with the tournament there. So pretty interesting to see how that goes. I'll be curious to see what happens there. Going to jump on to the Lone Star Classic. You may have not heard of this. I had not heard of this unless you were on uh, Ulti World and kind of caught this there. The Lone Star Classic is a tournament that just started in 2019. It is currently a B tier, but it is definitely acting like a pro tour stop. So this is a tournament that um, inaugural year was 2019, 2020, I believe. Yeah, 2020, they still had it because that happened in February. So you're able to get that through. And that happened right before everything shut down last year because Waco was the last thing that that happened. And that got cut short last year. Um, what's really cool here is they were able to change the date on this and change it to um, April second through the fourth so this puts it right between um right in the middle of um the texas swing of the pro tour tournament here 
and uh, you know they're trying to attract some uh, some high level disc golfers here, trying to get them in after Texas State here and going all right, or sorry it's this week. Uh, ah, I got my dates all mixed up. So they're trying to get them in after Texas State because they're they're still here and there's a couple weeks in between the next one, and they're trying to get them in. They're trying to attract people. So how are they going to attract them? Well, moolah, the cash, dinero, lots and lots of it. Uh, the main sponsor, Zedco Development, uh, they have been the title sponsor since this was uh, founded. The owner of Zedco Development, it's a real estate property, uh, got super involved with the tournament and got super involved with the uh, local club in Houston, I want to say. It's Houston or Austin. I know that's a huge difference. That's like six hours away in between the two cities. It's one of those two cities, huge there. They're trying to, uh, the club was trying to get a tournament started at one of the properties they own. They want to put in a disc golf course. They thought it was a great idea, tried to get into it, ran this tournament, ran really well the first year, ran really well last year, and they're, they've added a ton of extra cash. Zedco is put, putting forth $25,000 right there. 20000 of that is going straight into the pot. 5,000 is going to media coverage. So I don't know who they're, who they're getting, if it's Jomez or Gatekeeper, GK, or a smaller group. Um, I, there are a ton of people starting up disc golf coverage companies. So who knows? It might be someone local, but with that kind of cash there, I'm assuming it's going to be one of the bigger ones. On top of that, so that's 20,000. On top of that, Tito's Vodka, a Texas-based vodka company, and just as a side note, I hate vodka. It is gross. I it it all tastes disgusting to me. They have added another 10 grand into the pot. So there is 30 grand into the pot right there. Show me the money, man. Show me the money. They are really trying to attract the pros. This is a this is a B tier that's trying to act like a national tour stop right here. And even better, there is equal payouts between MPO and FPO. So I'm assuming this tournament is already sold out. I haven't looked. I'm not in the position to be able to travel long, long distances for tournaments. The furthest I will be going is about three and a half hours away. And that's only because my parents live near a course that I want to go and play the uh, playing Clash at the Canyons here in June, which is a, I believe it's a B tier for the AM side. And um, course looks fantastic, looks really cool. But back to Texas here, it is a USDGC and Throw Pink Women's Disc Golf Championship qualifier. This is the first and only B tier to have that honor to be a qualifier for that. You don't get any national tour points, but if you are a pretty decent regional area player, you could earn yourself a spot to um, Throw Pink. WDGC or just USDGC. Good luck out there. Hopefully, hopefully that all works out for everybody out there. We also have some new discs out there. New PDGA approved discs getting out there. There was a new target approved. I've kind of stopped covering new targets because they're all the same. I mean, I hate to say that. Yes, you could have. I'm not a huge fan of the Prodigy one with that weird net in the middle. I think that causes a lot more spit outs than anything else, but that's a personal opinion. Other than that, you're just iterating on the exact same thing. There's not 
all that much difference between them. There are difference in chains and, you know, different from what the PDGA requires for uh, an A-tier level, a championship level basket and so forth. But, you know, it's not, I'm not really too concerned with all of that. But we do have three new discs. We have the Huntsman from Fourth Circle Discs. It looks to be about a fairway driver. Could be interesting to see what's out there. There's a whole bunch of new companies that I haven't heard of making discs. So I'm really excited to, to see what these other companies do. The ones that aren't, you know, Dynamic Discs, uh, Innova, Prodigy, MVP, all those. We also have the Votum from Thought Space Athletics. This also looks like a fairway driver. Could be a slow distance driver. It's, you know, it's got the rim. There are no great pictures. It's always just like, fortunately, it's a somewhat clear looking plastic for all of these. So I could tell. And the Praxis from Thought Space Athletics. Definitely a mid-range. The way that rim is, it is definitely a mid-range. Really curious to see how all these go. Good luck to all those companies that are starting out there. They've had a bunch of different companies starting out and hopefully seeing what's uh, what's out there. Maybe there'll be some, some new discs that we'll see on tour. Unfortunately, these uh, smaller companies, yeah, they're not, they're not quite... Um, they don't quite have the funds to sponsor a big name, a Ricky Wysocki or a Paul Macbeth or, you know, like Paul Macbeth, his his contract is ridiculous. Ten million for ten years on top of the royalties for his disc line. I think he gets like. I don't know, I think I heard a rumor that he gets like. Three or four bucks per disc sold, so anytime you buy a Paul Macbeth insert disc i think he's got basically his name on almost every disc there yeah the guy is rolling in it and i mean he's a great disc golfer he did not have a great showing at waco but uh he definitely day three he definitely came back feel bad for him and ricky eagle crapped the bed at waco that's for sure eagle did not have a good tournament he um won las vegas handedly and then got to Got to uh, Waco and it all went to his head or something or he he just lost his cool. He was not looking good. There are plenty of times where I saw them cut to him and he was like hitting his bag, throwing stuff into his bag. Just he was frustrated and letting it show. I know easier said than done, not letting your emotions get to you. But dude, that was rough. Anyway, you moving on to our final topic here. This seems like it's going to be a bit of a shorter podcast here, but that's okay. Um, hopefully, this won't be too bad. We've got the Pro Tour explained. What are all these different things? This comes compliments of Udisc, just kind of explaining things and me adding my own twist to it. We've got the Elite Series. This is the top tour. This is this is the the cream of the crop, the Grand Pumba, the the. Top dog, the head honcho, the big cheese. Uh, this awards the most tour points uh, for anything. So whatever place you get, it's the top 10 spots. You get so many points, it's 100. And then it scales down a bit. And then after fifth place, it, there's a big drop off. And then that's it. Uh, the winners are based on traditional scoring. So least amount of strokes wins. Highest standards for media, organizations, added cash. There's usually, these are always the fun ones to watch. This is your uh, 
Great Lakes Open, your Ledgestones, your Wacos, all those different tours right there. Then you have, stepping down from that, you have your Silver Series. This was started in 2020. This was renamed from the Experimental Tour because the Experimental Tour just doesn't sound very good. It, it doesn't sound like it should be some elite thing. It sounds like you're going to be trying out some wacky things where, you know, uh, bottom of the car, the worst player gets to throw first or, you know, you can only play with your offhand. But Silver Series sounds a lot better, though it does make me think of in this area, we have the Silver Sneakers Club, which is a bunch of old people getting together in the morning and walking. So that reminds me of that. Sounds more like a uh, um, MPO or a uh, Pro Masters setup here. But this has also very high standards like the Elite Series. Generally not as much added cash. Um, happens in areas that are close to and around the same time as a, an Elite Series stop. So kind of like what Lone Star Classic is trying to do. They're trying to uh, get into at least the Silver Series just to make it an added incentive to get those pros out there to just see if they can grow the sport and grow that all the way to a hopefully pro tour stop is what their eventual goal is. Uh, Silver Series only gives 25, excuse me, only gives 25% of the points that an Elite Series would. So you still get points for doing this. It is a good time. Uh, and the winner is also based on traditional scoring. The standards might not be quite as high as the, in terms of organization and media as the Elite Series, but it's still a very, very highly respected, very well-run event. Moving down from that, you also have the Disc Golf Pro Tour Championship. Now, this format is definitely an interesting format. This is something that I players have been kind of hit or miss on, and I'm a little bit torn on whether or not this is a good idea or a bad idea, but um, it is it is what it is. Round one, this is MPO only, is round one. You have everybody seated through all the points that you got from throughout the year. Top 32 players make it into this tournament. So round one, you have seeds 17 through 32 play whatever the course is at USDGC. The top four players will move on to the finals or to the, to the quarterfinals. Those guys will just move on. So, and it doesn't matter what card you're on. It doesn't matter anything. Top four scores, move on to the next day. If there is a tie for the fourth spot, whoever has the better seed will win the tiebreaker. I'm not sure I agree with that one. I think you should go to a playoff, but that's not my call. Quarterfinals. This is where FPO picks it up. Uh, generally, at this point, unfortunately, there are not enough women FPO players. So hopefully, within the next couple years here, with the way the sport has been growing, um, MPO and FPO will start out with that 32, but FPO starts out with the 16. So 9 through 16, plus the 4 from the previous day, will play another round. Your scores from the previous day do not count. They do not matter. Top 4 will move on to the semifinals. Scores, as I mentioned, do not carry over whatsoever. So you could have shot the best round of your life yesterday, and today... That accounts for nothing. Absolutely nothing. Uh, again, if the scores are tied for that fourth spot, 
better seed advances. So those guys who are coming in 17 through 32, whoever those people are, you better win or not have a tie because I think that stinks. Again, I would like to see a playoff. I kind of understand why they're doing this, but who knows? Um, oh, yeah, there's side note. Uh, got a, got a comment here. <laughs> Just watch the, the disc golf kid, 10 years old, throwing farther than me. Yeah, there are, um, there, there's a kid in our club who's 11 or 12 and we played in the veterans for vets tournament. That's a disc golf tournament in a box where you raise money for a local veterans organization. And there's really just two divisions, men's and women's. There's no real separation from that. The point here is to just donate money, get raise money, do a fundraiser for your local veterans organization. Whatever you want to do, you get to pick who that goes to. There's a 12-year-old who beat the crap out of me. He just, I just, like, it was one of those, like, demoralizing, like, it was super windy. I thought I shot great, and I see that he beat me by, like, six strokes on a very tightly wooded course. And I'm like, I just... I want I want to do better. And I always go back to uh, one of my friend's sons who many years ago, I think he was about four or five years old at this point, we were playing uh, Disney Connect for the Xbox. So you're trying to use the Connect sensor. And what you have to do is do whatever action you want about a half a second before you actually need to do it. And this kid grew up kind of playing this and knew that, and I did not. So I was not doing very well. He beat the crap out of me in Disney Connect. And he just looks at me and just, he thinks he's giving very helpful advice, but it was probably the worst taunt I've ever received. He just looks up at me and goes, it's okay. Next time, just do better. And I'm like, God, I lost. And I'm getting taunted by a five-year-old. Fan-freaking-tastic. And <laughs> bringing it back to the semifinals. So you're, you're taking the top four from the previous day from the quarterfinals again. So it's seeds one through eight plus the other four. Again, previous scores don't matter. Four best move on to the finals. Tiebreaker, again, is the better seed. Again, same comment as the last couple rounds. I think it should be a playoff, but that is what it is. In the finals, we have the four best players play against each other on the same card. Previous scores, again, don't matter. Ties are broken through sudden death playoff. This is where... A tiebreaker the playoff goes into effect so that's pretty cool uh i'll be curious to see how this goes again it was a lot of fun to watch this last year where kevin jones won it good job for him and on the disc golf pro tour all-star championship this is what happened a couple weeks ago here and will happen again i believe in november what they want to do is have it at the end of the year but covid kind of messed things up so they're going to try to have it again at the end of this year where this is all players are seated one through eight. And this is based on tour points. So it's the same idea. So whoever you're going to see in the semifinals, those top eight players, it's going to be the same thing. So you'll have eight MPO and eight FPO players. They're paired up uh, one with eight, two with seven, so on down the list. You play nine holes of best shot, nine holes of worst shot. And in my mind, you know, worst shot unless someone absolutely shanks it. I don't know how you do. I don't know how you define worst shot in some cases. Like obviously, you end up in the woods, you shank it, you hit an early tree. That's a pretty clear, straightforward worst shot. 
Now, or other than that, like if you're both in the fairway and there's not a lot in your way, what do you take the farther back one? You take the, you know, what's, what do you consider the worst shot? Sometimes in my opinion, if I'm a little further back from the hole, that's probably a good thing depending on what the way the hole is set up. Who knows? So that's just a little side rant there. Not a big deal. Um, day two, you take the combined scores of the previous day. So basically your 18 holes, you add them up. The top uh, players, basically everybody just gets their, gets their uh, scores to start from from there. So it definitely helps to play doubles really good because that is your starting score for the next day. So you automatically start with ties. You know, if a uh, pair two and seven shoot the best score, guess what? Two and seven are tied going into the next day. Uh, after that, it's normal stroke play. Perfect, fine, whatever. Let's see what happens. This is where Katrina and Kona were paired together. And some people were thinking like Kona kind of rode Katrina's coattails there. But after her showing at Waco, Kona is legit. Like, I thought she was legit before, but now she finally has that. She finally crossed that hump because she would do really well in 2020 and then just kind of, like, make that one mistake that just kept her from really breaking out. And here this year at Waco, she didn't make that mistake, which is great. Good for her. I'm so happy. I'd love to see the FPO field as deep as the MPO field. And I think it's going to get there sooner than later. Moving on to the Disc Golf Pro Tour Match Play Championship. This is something new. They'll have 16 MPO players and 8 FPO players, just because, again, you know, not as many. This is based on the points you get from the 10 Elite Series and 4 Silver Series events. This is an invite-only tournament, and normal match play rules are applied for this. So I don't know exactly how they're going to break it up, if it's going to be 1 versus 16, and on the FPO side, one versus eight, so on and so forth. But um, match play, I do have a review of what match play rules are. I'll have to link that after this. But uh, little details are actually known about this event. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. I think um, throwing in this match play championship, I know there are a lot of pros complaining because they're like, well, we don't practice match play and we don't play like that. Just go out and have fun, man. Like it's an invite only tournament. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. That's that's my thoughts. You don't want to do it. Don't do it. But um, yeah. And you may or may not have caught my uh, little rant video on YouTube. Of, uh, I guess I'll go into a little more detail with that here. Um, so the gist of it is. Unless I ask for your advice, I don't want it. Please just shut the hell up. That's that's pretty much how I feel about this. And this stems from. Getting ready for a tournament, I was uh, playing Am2 last year at the Fort Wayne Outfitters Open. Yeah, the FWOO, F-W-O-O, FWOO. Uh, great course on the PFW campus, and then the infamous uh, temp course that is only around for this tournament. Generally, it's held in the fall. This year, it is held in June. So a little bit different. Uh, going to be a little more challenging because in late October, a lot of the leaves are off the trees, making that course slightly easier. But uh, yeah, anyway, I was at the practice basket and I was, you know, warming up with my putts. I was probably 20 feet out, just 
thrown a couple putts. It was my first couple. I've learned that I should probably start at 10 feet, just get used to like, all right, that's the motion. There we go. We're going, we're going, we're good. Anyway, so I was throwing from about 20 feet and uh, I missed him. Not a big deal. That's why you warm up so you can get that crap out of your system early. And I had this MPO guy come over and goes, well, this is what you're doing wrong with your form. And I was like, thanks, I'm good. He's like, well, I just saw you miss those four. I, yeah, again, those were, guess what? My first four putts of the day. Just, you know, please leave me alone. Well, you should really change this. Dude, I'm not changing my form the day of a tournament. We're starting here in about an hour. I'm not changing anything about my game. How I'm going to play is how I'm going to play. Now, if I want to make changes to my game and my form, which, just to be clear, I've not changed anything about my putting form. I've practiced, things have improved, but I have not. I'm a staggered stance spin putter. I have not changed anything about that. I have gotten smoother in my form. I've adjusted small little tweaks here and there, but there have been no major changes in my form. The major change in my putting that I've done, I've gotten a little more comfortable in a straddle putt stance. I still spin putt from a straddle. It makes sense to me. It works for me. And I, you know, I can get around a tree and I'm good from about 30. I wouldn't say I'm accurate from 30, but I can get to the basket from 30. All I have to do is get around all the trees. Name of the game, right? But that's about the biggest change I've made to my game. So please... I know this happens. There have been articles written and comments made about um, guys giving unwanted advice to female players. In general, this is a blanket statement. Unless you ask, unless someone asks you, don't give advice. They probably don't want it. If you're teaching your friend to start out, that's a different scenario. Otherwise, I don't want your damn advice. As I said, I don't care if you are Paul Macbeth or unrated Joe Blow bottom of the barrel player. I don't want your advice. I don't care. That being said, we all have those certain friends who can just say, hey, you know, you do X, Y, or Z. You should probably stop doing that. Those friends that play with you all the time who have that repertoire with you where I got a couple buddies where I know I could say to them, hey, dude, um, you know how you're trying to fix X, Y, or Z? Yeah, you're doing that again. And they go, oh, yeah, thanks. Just the other day, I had a buddy tell me, he's like, you know, you're throwing it really hard at the basket, even from like 15, 20 feet, and I was missing a lot. So that helped me to realize how hard I was throwing. I had not realized it, and I took it back, and suddenly I was making all the putts I was missing before. So those are select cases. If you're some random person on the course, I don't want to hear it. FPO or M female players, sorry, female players don't want to hear it. Male players don't want to hear it. Nobody wants to hear it. Just play your game. And if I ask you, you know, if Paul Macbeth is out there and I'm somehow playing around, first off, I'm going to be slaughtered, absolutely killed. And it doesn't matter what course we're on. I might ask him like, hey, you got any tips? But otherwise, he's also professional. I doubt he's going to just walk up to someone and go, hey, guess what? You're doing X, Y, and Z wrong. So just a little note out there. And another thing that I saw on Twitter, ooh, this was about a week, 
week and a half ago, Brody Smith talking, he did his little video about saying like commentators shouldn't talk about the discs that the pros throw. And he gave an example that he has four nukes that fly four different ways because they're beat in, they're different plastics and all that fun stuff. And I was talking about this to another guy in our club and he's like, yeah, I got four bosses that each one does a different thing. He's got a super beat in one, a blizzard boss, a star or no, a DX and a champion, I think. And they all fly different. That's great. I like knowing what discs the pros are throwing because sometimes I go, that's how that's supposed to fly. That's fun. Or it's just kind of cool to know what they're throwing. Like, you know, the Luna got super popular. It's a really nice putter. I'm not, um, I, I don't, I don't throw the Luna. I am on the team trilogy stuff. So I throw only trilogy plastic, but I can admit that it's a great putter and it's a great disc. Maybe I'm watching them and going, okay, so that's what that does. That's the line I can hit. Okay, maybe, you know, I can't throw the nuke like Brody Smith, but I could take the step down from the nuke and do the exact same thing. Or maybe I could just see different lines. And it's just kind of cool to know. It's, it's, disc golf is a different kind of sport where it's like regular ball golf. Yeah, you got your different clubs, your Titleist, your Wilson, all your different clubs like that. But generally, they're all the same, you know, and it you change your club based on what distance you're trying to get. Disc golf is different in that way. It's not like, you know, baseball where it's a bat and all the skill is in hitting the ball. All the skill is there. The bat has basically nothing to do with it. Disc golf, yeah, the disc does have something to do with it. Like, you're probably going to get way more distance from a distance driver than your mid-range however when ricky throws his pig the putter eh, you know it it goes pretty far he throws it 400 feet so it's just cool to see what can be done and maybe it gives you an idea of like okay i can't throw my putter 400 feet but i can throw it 150 feet straight on a dime maybe i start considering throwing my putter instead of that mid-range or whatever just different things that are out there I know, kind of rambling here, jumping around topics at the end, having lots of fun, lots of chit-chat, but it looks like this is about the end of the stream, so thank you all for watching and listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, rate, depending if you're listening to podcasts or YouTube or Twitch. Thank you all. I really appreciate everybody who was watching and listening. Thank you, Bruce, for hanging out in chat. Appreciate it. I go live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern. So plan accordingly around the world. Thank you. And uh, again, don't forget to rate, review, all that fun stuff. Like, subscribe, share this on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on all the different social medias. But everybody have a great week, and uh, hopefully I'll have a little bit of coverage for the tournament this weekend that I'm blanking on the name. But Disc Golf Network only does live for the final round, so you're better off watching um, probably Jomez or GK, Gatekeeper, whoever's got the previous round coverage. So thank you all. Have a great week. Let's have some fun disc golfing.